Hello, welcome to episode 95 of the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, we have Drew Maddox. Patrick Drew Maddox lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife, Tara, along with their three daughters and two sons. Since 2006, he has been director of admissions and head coach of the boys basketball team at Christ Presbyterian Academy and was promoted to his current position as associate head of school advancement in 2017. Drew Maddox is a native of Tennessee and presently resides with his wife, Tara, and daughters, Emma, Ava, and Sarah James, and sons, Patrick and Nicholas, in Nashville, Tennessee. Coach Maddox graduated from Vanderbilt University in 1998, where he received a Bachelor of Science degree in Human and Organizational Development. While at Vanderbilt, Maddox was a four-year starter for the Commodore basketball team. During his career, Maddox received several individual awards for his performance both on and off the court. Some of the noteworthy honors he received included All-SEC Freshman, USA Olympic Festival Team, First Team All-SEC, and Honorable Mention All-America Honors. Maddock was also an academic All-SEC member, as well as being recognized as one of the outstanding young men of America in 1998. In 2005, Coach Maddox pursued his passion of basketball and entertainment and has served as a college basketball television analyst for networks such as Comcast Sports, Fox Sports South, and affiliates of WBUPN and Fox throughout the Southeast. Beginning in January 2005 as well, Mr. Maddox began serving as co-host of his own radio show on 104.5 The Zone, the leading sports talk radio station in Nashville, Tennessee. Since 2007, Maddox has served as a college basketball studio na- analyst for the Fox affiliate show titled Sports Zone and on the ESPN affiliate 102.5 The Game. Maddox just completed his 10th year of serving as a college basketball analyst. Beginning in 2012, Maddox joined the number one ranked college sports radio show in America on Sirius XM Radio on 247 Sports Radio on campus with Bill King. Vanderbilt's National Commodore Club, the Pencil Foundation, chairman of the 2020 board, and has served as president of the Rebounders Vanderbilt Basketball's former Letterman Club. Maddox has also served as a volunteer assistant basketball coach at Good Pasture High School, where he was a three-time All-State performer and graduate of in 1994. In 2008, Coach Maddox was selected as and included in the prestigious Princeton Premier for his accomplishments over the course of his life. In 2012, Maddox was selected and honored at the SEC Tournament in New Orleans as a recipient of the All-State SEC Basketball Legends Award for his accomplishments both on and off the court during his career. Coach Maddox and his family presently are members at the Hills Nashville Church. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Drew Maddox. Coach, welcome. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good. Hey, great. Well done, my friend. Well done. Yes, I figured out that it was the Wi-Fi was the problem. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Hey, welcome to the podcast, man. I um, I, I really have been kind of studying you and kind of I always wanted to get you on the podcast and. Um, I, this is going to be a lot easier than trying to make shots off a roof. I got to get this guy on. <laughs> uh, 
But welcome, Coach. I sure appreciate it. Um, hey, tell us a little bit about your journey. Now, you've had an amazing journey. Of course, from Georgia, I won't hold your Vanderbilt ties. Um, but um, I love your playing career, and I love what you're doing right now with uh, – coaching your team and so forth. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast, Kevin. Uh, and thank you for the great work you're doing to spread the word across the country. Um, you know, I've been blessed in my life, extremely blessed, almost fairy tale life, uh, incredible parents, uh, supportive house uh, that always really challenged and encouraged us to chase God-sized dreams. And at an early, early age, I fell in love with the, the gift of sport, specifically the game of basketball. And at age five or six, um, knew at that point I wanted to play basketball at the highest level, specifically at Vanderbilt University, uh, namely because it was in my hometown, but also because my dad and my grandfather had played basketball at Vanderbilt as well. And so Vanderbilt was just such a real entity uh, that was impressed into my mind and into my heart. So at an early age, I began to chase and I began to work and I began to dream and hope and, and pray for the day that I could put on the black and gold. So uh, with that vision in mind, every single day at an early age, already waking up and building the habits and the lifestyle of what it meant to train, work, live like a collegiate basketball player and um, was very blessed, had great coaches along the way that poured into me, inspired and encouraged me to be the best. I grew up at a great high school where I got to play with great players, specifically my very best friend, Ron Mercer, who went on to play at the Kentucky Wildcats and for the Celtics. We traveled all around the country and played the who's who in our era of the best players in the country and uh, just fortunate to be able to sign a scholarship and playing at Vanderbilt. And there wasn't a day I didn't wake up and soak up every ounce of what that experience could bring and was fortunate to have a great career. Never thought I would go into coaching. I went into the world of healthcare. And 14 years ago, I shifted from a career to a call all my life. Uh, to go coach high school basketball and to use the gift of basketball to connect with the stories of 15 to 18-year-old kids. And uh, we launched into this thing as we built um, CPA basketball into what has become you know, a, a local, state, and even a regional uh, player uh, just because we had a group of people that really bought into what we were trying to do uh, and, and what we were trying to do to connect basketball to the stories of the young men we served. Yes, and to me, just from just from kind of real researching you, you're all about impact. I mean, you are impacting kids, correct? I mean, just through your website, through just kind of watching some of your videos. Uh, who has impacted you? And give me your why of why you coach. Yeah. Um, you know, my father's had the biggest impact on my life. He, he's my hero. Uh, he's my vision of what it means to be ultimately a husband first and loving and supporting your wife, uh, establishing a vision of what fatherhood looks like uh, in our home and what I'm trying to do in the lives of my five kids. And then ultimately every day I was uh, fortunate to be around him as his love for others was so contagious. He woke up every day thinking about other 
others before himself, thinking about ways to elevate other people's lives even more than his own life. And I saw that, and I saw the way that it boomerang blessed him and came back and filled his spirit and his heart. And so just with that vision, um, just trying to live my life out of that vision, specifically in terms of coaching uh, a gentleman by the name of Coach Jeff Forehand, who was one of my high school coaches. He's now the head baseball coach at Lipscomb University. Uh, he was a transformational coach before that was even a term. Uh, it just oozed out of his essence, the impact, the way he loved and poured into the, his players, the way he loved and poured into my life. Um, it was just a model of if I ever got into coaching, I wanted to wake up, have my two feet hit the ground, and to think about ways of impacting others and utilizing the tool sets I have, the gifts I have, and the gift of sport in order to connect to people of all backgrounds and all types. So when I wake up every day, my why is this. I'm wanting to elevate everybody around me. Uh, I basically live by the simple principle of four words. Uh Kevin, and it's pick up the trash. And what that means to me is uh, to leave people, places, and things better. Every single day, whatever moment, experience, or place that I enter into or relationship, when we leave that experience, others should be better because I've leveraged every ounce of my being to make that other person better. And so when I wake up, it's the students I serve, the families I serve, uh, the experiences, the moments, um, the things I'm a part of, I hope they're all better because I poured my heart, my soul, my spirit into that moment and that experience. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, that's a great term, Coach. I love that because we're all trying to, as coaches, to teach that value of servant servanthood, right? And I think that's a great, great – now, you try to get your players to model that as well? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the foundational element of our program and our culture. You, you know, Kevin, I tell people all the time as I speak, and I'm, you know, uh, very fortunate to get to be in a lot of settings, but I want all coaches to understand there's a clear difference between a purpose and a goal. You know, and the goal, of course, when that scoreboard turns on, we're trying to win the basketball game. You know, we're going to do everything in our power to prepare, to research, to do our due diligence, to have our players ready, to have our counters ready, that whatever the situation presents, that we are have been prepared to go win that basketball game. But above all of that, the purpose of what we do, the purpose of which we run our program, uh, never, ever will be compromised in order to achieve a goal. And so the purpose of our program is this, it's two things. One, man was built to be in relationship. And we want everybody to understand that in that locker room, everybody has strengths and brings something to the table. And we need to recognize the gift of others and that this place is better because of those gifts. And second, what it means to be a part of a cause, what it means to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that I have to play my specific part in the bigger story being played out in order for that to be as effective and in order to be as strong as it possibly can be. Yes. And I have a lot of coaches and what I try to do, Drew, is I try to get people on that are program builders and people builders. And that's where I kind of really found you. And I love, I love the, I love the vision that you're sharing. Hey, talk about your blog, your blog. I saw some great points. Um, and one was, 
and I really believe in this, perseverance. How, why is that so important to success? Yeah, I, I think, you know, perseverance is such a, a crucial element. And we could go through so many different words of people when we think of success, you know, that are attributes that define success. But here's the thought with that, Kevin, and why I think basketball is such a great tool to be able to teach and speak into the lives of kids about what it means to persevere. You know, every single day, every moment, every time we encounter anything, we're always answering the ever question of now what? And what does this mean? So I make a turnover. I miss a shot. I make a bad play. The official makes a call. I miss a block out. I get taken out. Now what? Now what happens? I have a split second moment in time to have to shift my mindset and to think ultimately about the best case scenario in order to achieve and be at the highest level that I can possibly perform at. Perseverance is that connector that answers the question of now what? Perseverance takes whatever just happens and I can quickly in my heart, my spirit, my soul, calculate what just happened and being able to move on with a positive mindset to answer the question of now what? And what does this mean? And how can I move forward and continue to tackle the next objective adversity or struggle that's in front of me? Yeah, it's so important. Um, and don't you believe, Drew, that mindset, and that's another, that's another topic that I, I, I really believe in, mindset and skill set. You have to have the mindset first before the skill set, right? Absolutely. I, I, I believe, you know, this is um, what you see is what you become. And so if I can't see it, there is no way that I can walk in reality to achieving anything. I mean, before the iPhone was created, Steve Jobs had to see that he was going to create a device that was ultimately going to change the world of how we communicate. Mark Zuckerberg had to see what Facebook could become in order to connect people virtually in relationship. You know, Phil Jackson, uh, my, you just can go on and on and on through the great leaders of our time. And in order for them to do anything effective or impactful, they had to have first seen it. And they had to create a vision and they had to have a positive mindset in order to go chase it. And so, I, you know, that's what we're trying to do is convince our players to always think the best of others and two, to always think the best of whatever circumstance they're in, regardless of what just happened, how many missed shots, how many missed plays or how they're performing, to always believe that that good things are just around the corner. And that starts with your mindset. Yeah, and it's all about you know, we call it winning the moment um, and that it's hard because you're distracted by the past and you're distracted by the future. Right, coach? Yeah, I love that you said that because win the moment is one of our seven core essential elements of the CPA way. And it's our last one. And, you know, I think that's the thing that we're trying to get our players to understand. It's so difficult because they're so distracted in our culture with their devices or whatever may be happening, they're, they're, they're constantly having to multitask. And what we want them to do is stay present in the moment. Um, Dr. Kevin Elko says this as he goes around and speaks to football teams and, and others around the world is be where your feet are. Be present. Be present in the moment. Quit worrying about what just happened. You know, worry uh, about the moment that you're in and quit being distracted about what's to come. 
just win what's in front of you and being able to tackle the exact moment, experience, or circumstance that's right in front of you at that moment. Coach, give me an example because we all have great concepts and great philosophies. How do you teach to your players winning the moment? Yeah, I, I think we put them in adverse situations. I mean, I, I think it's it's all about trusting when you are put into moments of struggle and adversity, you know, can I still perform at a level and focus on what's in front of me? So whether that's physical exhaustion, whether it's, uh, you know, fatiguing the mind and the emotion, whether it's a hard drill, whether it's a continuation of drills, whether it's a lengthier drill, uh, we're always thinking about ways to put our players into adverse situations. And so what we do, Kevin, one of the things we do is we do a lot of 6 a.m. workouts because, you know, I think it's incredible that you can get 30, 15, 18-year-old kids up at 6 a.m. to be present, to be focused, and to be accountable and responsible for being there and being at their best at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so that's one of the things that we do. Uh, it could be a two-a-day workout. It could be whatever it may be. But when we wake up at 6 a.m., we're going to win that next thing that's in front of us. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's all about uh, – I think I love what you're saying about how do you handle – we call it next play, and that is how do you handle adverse situations. But it, it's it's almost fighting for your culture – every day, every moment, right? I mean, something you just can't let go. You got to constantly, coaches have to really work on that, right, to stay disciplined. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culture is what we believe. You know, it's the way that we behave. Uh, it's the way we experience the behavior of others. I mean, culture begins with relationships, which begins with responsibility, accountability to each other, which ultimately is a, the precursor to that is trusting each other. And without trust, there is no culture. And so, what we're constantly trying to do is speak language into the way that we celebrate, the way that we symbolically represent, uh, the way that we speak into life-giving relationships, and ultimately, how do we build trust? Because everything's going to ooze from love and from trust, and so we're always celebrating those things. So when we see those things occur, whether it's in a practice, a game, I may call a timeout when I see it expressed. I'm, you know, whatever it is, I want to at that moment name that that has been uh, an application of a life-giving culture. And so we're constantly trying to speak into those moments. And coach, talk about, um, you mentioned before about your, your core values. Tell us about the CPA core values. What do you guys really believe in there? Yeah, I, it starts with four words for us. Now, you know, we're we're a part of and, and very blessed to be a part of an organization that uh, has a gospel infusion into everything that we do, which is a personal belief of mine. So everything starts with being Christ-centered and others-focused. And just the way that we have been bestowed as a son of the king, I, I walk into existence with confidence in that. And then that outflows out of my heart into the way that I treat others. So we're constantly speaking into that and letting them know that it's the parable that talents, whether you were giving five, two or one, you have something that is a strength that needs to be leveraged for the benefit of others. And we're going to recognize and celebrate that. And not just the young man that is a division one player or may have four or five stars by his name, but even the JV player, he has something he's bringing a value 
to our locker room and to our program. And it starts with that. So this is a player's first program. Everything that we do, coaches, families, administration, we exist for the players. And we want this to be ultimately a great experience. When they get done with this experience, they look back on it and say, that was something that I will never forget. I'm better for having gone through that experience. You know, Kevin, a lot of times we celebrate the top one, two, three percent that will go on to play college basketball. But ultimately, our program set up for the 100 percent. 100 percent of our players are going to go on to be husbands, fathers, civic leaders, business activists, whatever it may be. And so we are set up to build those life skills that will allow them to transcend 20, 30 years into their existence. Uh, we believe every player has to do his or her his part. And it starts with shared sacrifice and responsibility. Recognize that when someone does well, we all do well. When somebody makes a mistake, we all make a mistake. That we're all in this together. Uh, we speak into playing to uh, each other's strengths. And we talk about that. We name the strengths of each other and we speak into that. We talk about playing fast, ultimately playing hard, and then lastly, winning the moment. Those are kind of the seven essential elements of what we've built, you know, the last 13 years around. Yeah, and I'm looking at, though, uh, and I love that. I, I tell you, that one of our core values is serving others. I love how you phrased it, others focused. Uh, it sounds simple, but I really kind of like that. I might steal that from you a little bit. It seems like your whole program is about not about me. It's about we. Um, don't you think that, that that most coaches we need really need to focus on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, in this culture of where we are me centered, um, you know, with our devices and with social media, which is ultimately a branding tool for me, you know, what are we doing to make sure that we're focused on others and you know, it, that, that's it. And how we, I know we're, we haven't really gotten in or will we get into talking about just even the application of how the game is played and how I believe the game should be played. But sure. in 2012, Kevin, we won our first state championship here in Tennessee. And on that team, 11 of the 13 players went on to play major Division One college football or college basketball. I mean, we were loaded. We were extremely talented. But the announcer that was doing the television game that day, he said, if I had one word to sum up this CBA team to express what I'm seeing, it would be unselfish. And I thought there was no greater uh, compliment that could be paid to a group of young men, especially that talented, um, than to say that they were unselfish. And so I think that starts with just being others focused, thinking about others before ourselves and getting them to understand that life will be more fulfilled and you'll have more joy in your life if you can shift the spotlight off of yourself and on to the benefit of others. Yeah, I love that. And how do you – and I hate – you know, I, there's a lot of talented teams out there, Coach, but they're not others-focused. I think what you guys are doing, you're very intentional as coaches, right? You can't just assume players are just going to play uh, unselfish, right? No, you, you can't. And so it, it, it's into the language you use. It, it's how you define roles. It's how you celebrate success. It's what you celebrate. Uh, you know, if you come into our locker room, you'll never see statistics that are ever published or posted. We don't talk about statistics. You know, the, the things that we're talking about are all intangible, unselfish categories. And we celebrate those things over and over and over again. 
And so if you came into our, our, our practice or into our locker room, you're going to see things that celebrate and build into the culture of unselfishness. And you're going to hear our players talk about those things. I mean, you know, Kevin, we had the Mr. Basketball winner for four straight years here in Tennessee. And none of those players averaged 20 points a game. You know, as I said, you know, we've had talented kids come through our program and, you know, over and over and over again, as college coaches came to our program and, and watched our, our practices, and we've had a who's who of those that have been here. They said, man, you guys use drills and you do things that incorporate passing more than anybody we've ever seen. And I think, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to play and build a basketball-specific application philosophy to what we believe, and that's to being selfless. Yeah, I love that. That's a very important word. We use that word a lot. Coach, before we talk basketball and your system, talk about really the, the Nashville community. There's, first of all, there's a lot of great colleges out there. I actually have a girl that, Belmont really, Belmont University loves one of my players, and I love their university. But you got Vanderbilt, you got Lipscomb, you got some great schools and high schools in Nashville. Yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, Middle Tennessee has been a great area for basketball. And, and you know, you name some of those schools, and then you have TSU, you know, even stretching north, you have Austin P, Tennessee Tech out to the east. I mean, just here within an hour's drive, you have some great opportunities to connect with coaches, to always be a lifelong learner, to always go get better. So, for instance, this afternoon, my entire staff will be at Vanderbilt in their practice gym watching, you know, their practice because we're constantly wanting to be better. Well, Kevin, we can drive 15 minutes down the road and be in the presence of next-level thinkers. And so it's always a blessing to be able to do that. And over the years, too, Nashville has produced outstanding basketball players that have made an impact at all levels. And so, you know, for instance, the latest one would be Darius Garland, you know, now going to start at point guard this year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, uh, that's a great example of a great young man that grew up right here that's going to go make an impact. The University of Virginia, one of the young men in our program last year on the, that made an impact on their national championship team was Braxton Key. Well, he played right here at CPA, you know, and now he's making an impact out there and was a national champion this last year. So, yeah, Middle Tennessee, great coaches, great universities, and ultimately has produced great, great talent over many, many decades. Yeah, and a fun city, Coach. We, we love going out there, by the way. Uh, but what a great city. And you guys, um, the schools out there are just absolutely uh, marvelous. Coach, talk about that eighth – talk about that kid you just mentioned – Braxton, because he's about trusting the process. Tell us about that story from starting as an eighth grader, right? Yeah, so, yeah, and I think it's probably even on my website as we're releasing some of these blogs. But, but Kevin, talking about just the, the interesting story of transformation, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and athletically. When he was in eighth grade, he came to our program, and the very first conditioning workout, he, he literally couldn't complete it. He couldn't do a pull-up. He could barely do a push-up. He was so weak. By the time he left our program, he was a two-time Mr. Basketball, multiple state champion, won every award that you could possibly win. And he went on to play at the University of Alabama and, um, you know, realized that Alabama wasn't a great connector for him in terms of what he was wanting to do. 
So he had to continue to trust the process. He transferred to the University of Virginia, where Tony Bennett and his staff have done amazing things. It was more of a cultural fit for him where he felt more comfortable and then ultimately went on to become a national champion last year. But a great example of a young man from start in eighth grade of really trusting the struggle, adversity, the process of transformation to, to becoming a national champion this last year. Yeah, I think you said on the blog, he, was he 6'6 as an eighth grader? Was that? Yes, correct. Yeah, so he's, he was his height that he is now. Right. But he was just weak, you know, and <laughs> just never had really understood what it meant to work hard. Basketball had been easy for him, you know, in his age group, youth basketball, AAU, junior pro basketball. But we had a bigger vision and, and he wanted to achieve greater things. And I, I credit Braxton in a lot of ways. He's such a great young man. One of the best passers I've ever been around. One of the best leaders I've ever been around. But it all started with him wanting to trust the struggle, the adversity, the process, and his role as that continued to change over many years to become in a more dominant role within our culture. Yeah, and, and Coach, talk about your basketball culture now. And I would, I would imagine your culture being unselfish is about passing, distributing, getting high-percentage shots. Tell us about your basketball system. Yeah, so we, you know, we play a unique style, and we were doing this even before analytics even pointed to this. It just made sense to me. The incorporation of the three-point line, the usage of the three-point line to build proper spacing and concept understanding with our young men, um, and the ability to play fast. So going back to the way that we want to play uh, within the CPA way is, you know, we want to play to our strengths, so we're going to have – clear role definition we're going to play fast and urgently we're going to play extremely hard and we're going to win the next possession and so that starts with god forbid the other team scores a basket we're going to immediately put them on their heels so we're going to play vertically fast we're going to sprint into our our sprint offense concepts and we're going to sprint to our spacing spot so it's going to start with that and we're going to immediately put the defense on their heels so we always have led the state of tennessee in terms of pace of play uh, possession count. So we're measuring pace of play, what types of possessions we're getting, how many possessions we're getting, and we're measuring that throughout the game. So it starts with playing vertically fast and sprinting to our spots. It starts with spacing and balancing the floor, clear understanding of where the ball is, the way the defense is set up, and where I am in relation to where the basket is, and understanding how to counterbalance the floor. And that we're going to constantly be trying to put pressure on the paint. And what that means to purge the paint and really get into the teeth of the defense, whether that's through cutting, whether that's through driving the ball, or whether that's through some sort of pass that's going to intercept into the middle of the floor. And then we're going to play out of it. So, uh, you know, we don't run a lot of quick hitting plays. We run a lot of concepts. We play a lot of balance and, and spacing understanding to create leverage. Um, and we're going to use our God-given abilities within that boundary freedom to go make plays. Yeah, I'd love that because I, I'm really connecting with you, Coach, because that's, that's – I, I teach that with my girls, and my, and my girls always reflect on, hey, Coach, we love the offense, we love the defense because it has a lot of freedom. And I think that's important for coaches to be less controlled, right? Yeah, I, I mean, none of us, Kevin – perform at our very best when fear is inserted into the equation and 
if I'm taking a shot or going to make a play, but always looking over my shoulder over at the scores table to see if I make up, make a mistake, somebody's coming in to check me out of the game. We're never going to perform at our highest level. So yes, we want them to have freedom within concept understanding of what we're trying to do. So that's why you'll hear me use the term all the time, boundary freedom. We're going to paint the landscape and the vision of how we want to play. Now within that, go make a play. But uh, we're not going to be careless. We're not going to be, um, you know, not taking care of what we need to do. But clearly we want to have freedom. We want to be fearless and we want to be attack minded and, and, and be trying to think about ways to go make a play. Yeah. And don't you think, Coach, I, and, and this is just my own belief, uh, I believe cutting sets up dribble drive opportunities. So we really focus on hard basket cuts to the rim. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, once again, I, I don't know if you've ever seen our teams play, but the constant movement and motion, but it's all done through uh, making sure that we're making hard, long, and score-like cuts. So I'm believing every time that I make a cut, I'm going to receive the basketball to score. So it's like a wide receiver running a route. He doesn't just run a route and not think that that route is going to be uh, the production of receiving the ball. So he's running that route to catch the ball. And so a lot of times I see teams make cuts, but they're just cutting through and not thinking that they're going to score. So we constantly, even if it's 5-0 offense, you know, we are grading the type of cuts that our players are making. And are they making score-like cuts? Are they thinking this is a cut that is leading to me receiving the pass to score the ball and if I think like that, it makes the defense have to make an adjustment. And therefore, now we can counter against that. And maybe that hard cut is leading to a basket for someone else. I love that term. I'm going to steal that. Coach, I'm still on a lot of things from <laughs> But score like cuts. I love that. Because um, a lot of times kids will cut and not even eye the ball. They won't That's eat. That's exactly right. Um, so, taught, right? Yeah. I know, I, and I that's nothing more uh, – you know, is a more of a pet peeve of mine than just a young man or a young person just cutting through, whether it's 3-0, 5-0 offense or whether we're playing in a game and they're just jogging through the lane with, without placing their eyes on the ball and thinking that they're going to score. Because regardless if you score or not or you receive the ball to score or not, that hard cut is making the defense have to adjust. And therefore, we are able to play off of that because you did your job of making it a, a score-like cut. Yeah, and it's hard to guard. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's hard to guard a hard cutter, um, Coach. Now, how does that transfer over to your defensive system? Yeah, so our defensive system is is one you can imagine that is uh, going to constantly be putting pressure on the other team. We're we're built on trying to make sure that we're getting a lot of touches on the ball. So, you know, within the, the possessions on the defensive end, we're grading out deflections. We're trying to create disruption. So a lot of times, you know, we're trying to keep the offense off balance. So we're sending two on the ball. We're running and jumping. We're get, creating interceptors. Um, sometimes we'll just keep, uh, keep the ball singled up. But we are constantly making the defense think, I mean, the offense think, they don't know what's coming. And so we're always wanting to disrupt and off balance the other team that we're playing. So we incorporate, you know, I'm not just a man-to-man -man guy. I'm not just a zone guy. I'm an all-the-thing guy. 
And we're trying to do anything that we can do that's going to give our team an advantage uh, to win the basketball game. But ultimately from the, the thought process being playing hard, playing fast, and disruption uh, is ultimately kind of the tenets of what we're trying to do defensively. Yeah, I love that. And I, I really believe in the trapping scheme, particularly at the girls' level, because a lot of girls can't handle the rock too well. Uh, we do a lot of trapping, even with players that are not very quick. Um, tell me some about your your pressure, like your trapping schemes. Yeah, so we'll, we break the, the floor into quadrants. Um, so a lot of people never, never know if, you know, Coach Drew, is that more man? Is that more zone? I'm like, it, yes. The answer is yes. So um, what we do is basically taking the shell concept, the shell drill of four on four, and we have split the court into four. So whether we're in half court, we split the court into four quadrants. And, and we talk about coverages and disruption. And then when we want to extend that vertically into our press, whether we're face guarding, running and jumping, just trying to pressure, single pressure the ball, uh, everything that we're doing is is splitting that court into fourths, and that is how we teach coverages. So essentially, we've taken the shell drill that we've done since the beginning of time, and we've extended that coverage all over the court. So whatever we're calling, whatever defensive scheme we're in, we're just making sure that we're covering uh, with proper alignment and proper understanding those four areas of the court. And um, so are you showing different types of – of looks uh, or yes. stuff like coming, you know, maybe um, I, I don't like trapping. I, I don't like trapping where they can see you. I like trapping from behind. Oh, I call it a blind trap. What are some different schemes you use there? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have different terms and I don't, I don't care. I'll, I'll share with anybody, but um, whether we're say we're out of a, a, a two, two, one, or maybe we're in a man. Um, sometimes we'll face guard the inbound. Uh, particularly after uh, quick scores in transition, we're always going to be back up, um, uh, face guarding the, the inbound pass. Um, we, we, too, do not like to face up trap. We want to see numbers and come from behind, and then we're going to teach rotations. Uh, sometimes we'll just stay singled up with our butt between the basket and the, and the ball handler, just creating disruption because we feel like it's like a pass rusher. We can utilize the strengths and overpower the dribbler. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to constantly be just changing it up, sometimes out of man, sometimes out of a 2-2-1, two, two, sometimes out of an odd guard front. We'll put a man on the ball and, and, and follow into a trap. So it's going to be constant disruption and constant change up throughout the game when you play us. Yeah, and Coach, help us. <clears throat> and, you know, and I'm assuming, you know, you got pretty good personnel, but help us coaches or those coaches out there that might not have great personnel – but can still use an aggressive system. Yeah, I, I've always believed that. I mean, once again, we teach, you know, we coach high school basketball. So our rosters have ebbed and flowed. You know, as I mentioned years ago, we had 11 of our 13 play Division One. You know, last year we had one football player that went on to play at Furman and nobody else was a college athlete. But yet we're still figuring out ways within that to be successful, to create that pressure on the ball. And even when we te play teams, Kevin, that are more athletic than us, you know, you just got to pick your moments. You got to pick your areas and you got to strategically use traps or disruption or aggressive play. And then sometimes you have to back up and be a little bit more soft 
but we're constantly going to make the other team have to think and have to consider what are they doing. We're not allowing them just to come down and run offense. If they call a play, we're definitely going to disrupt. We're going to follow and first, uh, trap the first pass, but we're never going to allow you just to get into the flow of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, you know, I love the word disruption because I, I think most teams, I would say, and I coach, tell me if I'm wrong, 90% or above are most teams are coach based, whether that's coaches calling plays rather than how you guys are playing with freedom. Don't you think that's true? And that's why yeah. it's so effective. Yeah, especially at our levels of, of high school basketball. I mean, for the most part, that's what you see. Coach calls a play, players try to run it. You know, coach calls a play or a set, players try to run it. But basketball effectively is played in transition. And so that's the tools we're trying to give our players is if we're going to play this way and we're going to be attack-minded on the defensive and offensive end, then the game is going to be played in flow. And so are we comfortable in playing in transition? Are we comfortable when things do get disrupted or uncomfortable? Are we still okay and centered clearly in our concept understanding of what we're trying to do? And I do think that makes it very difficult to play against us. So even years when we haven't had as much talent, it's still the concepts, it's still the understanding, and it's still the culture that is able to carry you to success. And so, you know, last year we had a team, like I said, that only had one college player, and he happened to be a linebacker that went on to play at Furman. But we still won 26 games and went to the final four of our level at the state tournament because you still have kids that understand what we're trying to do. Yeah, culture defeats strategy, right, Drew? All day long. I think what what did uh, John Gordon said? Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, or something like that. I, I I just firmly believe that culture will carry you in moments uh, of adversity, struggle, or even if your talent is lesser than, it can still carry you and win baskets for you, even if uh, you are less talented than the team you're playing against. Yeah, every coach listening, you got to write that down. I mean that 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 is. That's just, that should just be right in front of you all the time. Hey, Urban Meyer talks about – I love I love Coach Meyer. He has some great wisdom. He talks about winning the moment, and he talks about three and a half yards every down is a infallible – it's infallible, and that is you can get that. Whereas if you focus on the result, it's a lot harder. Talk about what you guys focus on per possession. Yeah, we just believe that, once again, if we've prepared, we've taught, the players have understood, because, once again, it's not what I know, it's what they know and what they can do. If we've rehearsed it, if we clearly understand and have sold out to the cultural elements of what we want to play like, that if we do trust the process, trust the struggle, trust adversity, trust what's going on, the result will benefit us in the end. And so, yeah, we don't we don't focus on this is a must win game or this is a must win possession in terms of defining success that way. We're just going to focus on what's in front of you. We're going to focus on trusting what's in front of you and we're going to trust that we're going to do our very best and that we are prepared and whatever happens happens. And at the end, we trust that the result will favor us. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and those are all controllables, right, Drew? I mean, those are things you can control. Absolutely. And that's what you're trying to do is 
control what you can control. Be the best in the gym. Be the best you can possibly be at three things. And we talk about let's eat all the time. And this was this came, you know, from Don Meyer a little bit with a little bit of John Gordon. But if you hear us, we talk about it all the time. Let's eat. E for effort. A for attitude. T for teammate. Effort, attitude, and teammate are all three things, regardless of my athletic ability, regardless of how high I can jump or how good I can shoot the ball. I can be the best that there is on our roster at those three things every single day. Okay, can throw another one from you, man. I, I don't know what I'm running out. Of, I'm running out of space here. <laughs> Love that. You're too kind. Um, hey, talk about practice, man. I, I love, I love coaches who ha- are innovative and in how they do practices, and and it's it's not all about just the drills. It's how you formulate, how you teach, right? Yeah. So we we have a unique way of doing practice too, Kevin. And so, um, you know, one one of the things I want listeners to understand is we don't do cuts. So I don't cut a young man that or a young person that comes to our program, and so people ask me all the time and, and I'll even have college coaches that will come through and they'll, they'll say, how do you do practice for 35 kids at a time? And so it's, it's made me a better coach because it makes me so intentional not to waste one moment of practice, one minute of practice. And we have to carefully craft a practice script that is going to benefit our very best player and the 35th player on our roster. And so um, we're very blessed here. I have a big staff, so I have uh, several assistant coaches. But we run practice almost like a a mini skill camp. And we really focus on the individual skill development of our players. And we focus on the team concept development of what we're trying to do with a lot of breakdowns. And so if if I were to take a picture and send you our practice plan, you would be like, what the heck is this? This looks like a – a recipe or, or, or something, because literally every minute is crafted for every single young person in our program. Uh, and every coach has their assignments down to the minute of what we're trying to do. Um, and so it just creates a lot of fun in our gym. So there's a lot of activity. You'll hear a lot of voices um, because we demand that you be vocal all the time. And you'll hear many times when you come in our practice gym, music blaring over the speakers because we're trying to create an environment that kids want to, you know, perform in. Yeah. I love that. Um, and you have, to. Do, it sounds like it's more player focused. I mean, you got to get the players enjoying the moment, right? Absolutely. And, and so we're once again, back to our first tenet of the CPA way is we exist for the players. And so I want this to be a life giving environment. I don't want them to look at practice. We don't use the word grind. Uh, that's that's more of a negative connotation. Uh, this is not a grind. This is youth basketball, age 15 to 18 years old. This should be a blessing. It should be a joy-filled envir- uh, uh, environment. This should be an experience that I look back on, and it was a blessing. This shouldn't be something that I was just trying to get through, and and not just the entire collective body of work, but even each day for that 90 minutes that you get to be in the gym, it needs to be a blessing and it needs to be something that you look forward to. And when you get done with practice, you're like, man, yeah, we worked hard. Yeah, it was, it was difficult, but man, did we have a lot of fun getting to do that. That's so important. I think that's under, I think that's under taught coach. Cause I've been to a lot of practices. Um, but, and I think the joy, particularly when I coach girls, you better make it fun for them or you're going to lose them. 
<laughs> um, uh, but that that's just that's part of kids these days. Um, talk about your practice plan. I have what I call my DNA drills, and that is certain drills I do every day. But they're more game like drills. How, what what are your DNA drills or whatever you call it? Yeah. So you know, one of the things we changed years ago, uh, Kevin was. Uh, you know, I've been around basketball my whole life, been around some of the best basketball minds in the world, literally played for, whether it was through my USA basketball uh, as a player, or just being a part, you know, as I was coming up through the system. But um, one of the things I never understood was, uh, you know, ultimately practice is to get your players when it's game night to perform at their optimum level. And so every time we came to practice in any of those environments, when I was a player, we always did different drills to get ready for practice. It could be guards and big split, or it could be today we're going to do defensive zigzag, or maybe today we're going to do a shooting drill. Well, maybe we'll start with some rip and attack drills or whatever it is. So what we do, I scrapped that years ago because I hooked practice to getting kids to perform on game night. And so the very first thing that we do after we stretch and dynamic loosen is we put 15 minutes on the clock. And everybody in the gym does uh, a 15-minute game warm-up, just like it would be game night. And so we rehearse getting ready to perform every single day of every single practice that we ever do. We do a 15-minute game warm-up, just like you're going to play a game. And we're building those habits and that mindset of what it means to go perform. Then when we get into the middle of our season, we'll put – um, on the main court, our top 10 varsity players, we put eight minutes on the clock and we play the first quarter while the other guys are around the gym doing different skill development drills because we want to get off to great starts. We want to throw the first punch and we want to practice because I believe that's habit. That's mindset. That's getting off to a great start. So we literally tip it up and play an eight minute quarter after we've done a 15 minute warm up. And then we'll come back and do a lot of our individual skill development and breakdowns. I love that. I'm, uh, again, I'm stealing that from you. I, t- <laughs> I tell you what I love is I have found that I do less drills nowadays, maybe because I've been coaching long enough. I, um, but we sometimes come out right from the beginning of practice and do like a sideline special situation play just to see if our players are ready to go. And then I love that. And then we go into particular skill development and then come back to another game activity. Cause I think if you go drill, 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 I think there's a lot of slippage. Tell me about that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so, yeah, so we'll, we'll change up the rhythm of practice after that initial start, because like you said, uh, if you're constantly doing things like building up to playing, uh, you know, you're five on five at the end of practice. So you're doing your skill development, then your one-on-ones, two-on-two shell drill. And it's always a build to that. Kids are going to get comfortable and they're going to just kind of what I believe hold back within each of those and not give you your very best because they're comfortable in the schedule. Once again, we're trying to disrupt. We're trying to uh, get you off rhythm. And so that's how we believe life is lived. When I wake up every day as a 43 year old dad of five, Life throws different things at me every day and I'm always off rhythm. It's never the same. And so I never want practice to be the same because clearly no game is the same either. And so we constantly, we got to be answering the question of now what, 
what does this mean? And how do I perform when things are not comfortable for me? And so you do that through the embodiment of how you schedule the different elements of your practice. Yeah, absolutely. That's great stuff. Coach, um, tell me about, tell me about how you would, what is your best drill? If you had one drill that you would do, it sounds like you mix it up a lot, but give me one activity that you do every day that a coach listening can write it down and say, Hey, I love that. Yeah. So I I've been, you know, asked to do a lot of coaching clinics, Kevin, around the, you know, the region. And uh, a lot of times, you know, obviously we get um, a, a lot of notoriety because our, our, our culture of shooting, uh, I believe, and, and think and know that we do more shooting in the elements of our practice and outside of practice than any program that I know. And maybe that's because I'm a shooter and I've never met a shot I didn't like or shooters are going to shoot or whatever it is. Um, so there are different shooting drills that are unique that build into our system and our culture called continuity shooting drills. And so every shooting drill is going to have rhythm. Every shooting drill is going to incorporate making the extra pass. And we're going to constantly be uh, uh, trying to achieve something within a time period. And so however you play, whatever types of shots you're trying to get, we're, um, you know, I would just encourage young coaches or other coaches, design drills, get creative and innovative, and think of ways of practicing those target shots. And that has been something that we have really, really gotten good at over the years is practicing what we call CPA shots and building out continuity shooting drills with four and five players at a time with constant movement and cutting and passing and dribbling that are building to those CPA shots. And do you try to incorporate defense into your shooting drills? Uh, No. You don't? No, we do not. No, we do not. Everything is – I want them – back. okay, so this is a belief of mine is if we're going to work on shooting – I believe in the psychology and the mindset of a shooter. And so I believe even more than mechanics is the mindset and the psychology of believing that that ball is going to go in the basket. And so I want them as much as they possibly can to understand what it takes to see that ball go through the basket and to put that into their memory bank over and over and over again. And so we're constantly just trying to create environments where they can be the best shooters that they can be. So when defense is presented, it's not even a deal. It doesn't even matter. I've already shot this shot a thousand times, and it doesn't matter what resistance or a hand up can do because I believe that ball is going to go in the basket. Yeah, I love that mindset uh, analogy there. I think that's great. And, of course, there's all different philosophies. And I know a guy named Chris Oliver, and you probably know Chris Oliver, uh, he believes every drill should have defense. But – I tell you, I like to rep out a lot of shots like you're saying. We use the shoot away a lot, and we get a lot of good positive reps. Um, Do you think there's a time where it's actually – you're actually shooting too many shots, Drew, or should there be a limit? Tell me about being a great shooter like you are. Tell me about something you should not do when practicing shooting. I believe you should not shoot shots that are not game applicable. And so if that is just standstill shots or if it's just, um, uh, you know, shots where we're kind of just uh, lethargically going through it or partner shooting and there's not a time, a score, a competition, 
something that is game applicable, I think it's a waste of time. And so I would rather you take less shots at game-like situations than to take more shots that are not of game-like quality. Right. I love that. I think coaches have to put that extra effort in and design those specific shooting drills. I think it's easy to do wasted drills sometimes. Um, Coach, my last question is, how do you develop leaders in your program? You're looking for committed and compelled leaders, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. This is this is the whole purpose of our program. Uh, you know, is to to get kids to understand that they have something to contribute to the larger story being played out. And so I, you know, this is the way we look at it. And I talk about this all the time, Kevin. Is do you live every day when you wake up? with the understanding that you're trying to build your eulogy or are you trying to build a resume? And I think that's a completely different mindset that if at the end of the day, at the end of all of this, when somebody stands up on a stage and talks about my life, what are the types of things they're going to say about me? Are they going to talk about that? He was, you know, he made trick shots and he played at Vanderbilt and all those things, or is he going to talk about, he made an impact. He loved others. He inspired others to be better than they were. Um, yeah, I just think that's a completely different thing in a world where we're trying to climb the ladder socially, professionally, personally, and elevate self, getting kids to understand the eulogy mindset rather than a resume mindset. Again, coach, I'm stealing that. I love it. <laughs> you have some great stuff, man. I'm going to continue studying you up. That, that, that's a great, great point. Um, hey, tell me a little bit how, um, first of all, I want to get some video. I want to actually come watch your team's practice. I'll, I'll be hooking up with you later. But how can we get a hold of you and how can we get access to some of your information? Yeah, so I'm my. it's 24-7. We are here, transparent want people I'm trying to learn from others too so the more that we build in relationship as a community of uh, of coaches and leaders the better so I don't pretend to have all the answers I'm just trying to be better today than I was yesterday as well so I want to learn from anybody else as well so I'm all over social media so people of course Twitter Instagram Facebook LinkedIn um, you know where our website is cpalines.org or you can go to coachdrewmatics.com um, and I would love to engage with you that way as well. You know, we do these silly shots, uh, Kevin, you know, that have been seen. Um, it, it blows my mind, you know, just how much interest it's gotten. So if people want to have some fun with basketball, submit your favorite trick shot in your gym. I would love to see those as well. Um, you know, now we've been, we've been on Ellen's show and, and uh, America's Funniest Videos and Good Morning America and – ESPN top 10 multiple times with these silly shots. So uh, we're just trying to make people smile and have a lot of fun and realize that the game can be a ton of joy if they look at it the right way. Yeah, of course, my number one, and I, I'm looking, I got to, we have a swimming pool out here and I am looking to get a basket and get it on the roof. Somebody's got to hold me though, because I don't, <laughs> how'd you do that one with the wind? Tell us about the one. It looked like it was pretty windy. And you shot that one. I think I think it hit the actually the backboard, but over the pool, off the. Now, how much I, I, was that? How many takes that take? 
it took it took seven um and, and it was so windy that day uh my wife made me sleep outside that night she wanted to uh she was so mad at me for doing that up on that roof and um but you know we once again we're just trying to do things that make people smile to to make people believe that they can do anything they put their mind to and to always believe that the next shot's going in. Yeah, that's a great coach. Thank you uh, for sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in this podcast by you and I sure appreciate all the knowledge and helping us coaches out. So thanks again. Well, I really appreciate what you're doing, Kevin, and anything that I can ever do for you or for anybody or any of your listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we come down to uh, Nashville, we definitely want to come visit and watch you guys. Well, please do. Our gym is always open for anybody that comes through Nashville. Absolutely. We'd love to host you. All right, Coach Drew, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck this season. Okay, Kevin. Have a great, great day. You too. Thank you. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in.